0: Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast, your number one spot to get mentoring, guidance, and behind the scenes learnings to help you understand what it really takes to launch, grow, and scale your packaged food or beverage business. On the show, you'll hear from food founders at various stages of growth, and you'll hear from me and my 14 years of packaged food and beverage experience. Each episode is packed with insights, insights, Inspiration and learning to help you on your food business journey. I'm your host, Ainsley, and this is the Food Founders Podcast. Before we jump into today's show, I want to thank our sponsor, the Food Brands That Sell program. Food Brands That Sell is a six week deep dive into the CPG industry and teaches you how to win within that industry by creating a brand that you, retailers, and consumers love. Here's what a recent alumni had to say about the program. I am so grateful that I chose to do Food Brands That Sell. I learned so much about myself, my journey, and my company. These six weeks changed how I'm doing my business, and I can see the difference already. I no longer feel alone. If you aren't already on the waitlist, hop on over to foodbrandsthatsellwaitlist.com or grab the link below to make sure that you are first to know when the program is accepting new students. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Hey, food friends, and welcome to the Food Founders Podcast. Today, I'm excited to be speaking with Seema Pabari from Tiffin Day. And we got a fun show ahead of us. It's going to make you guys hungry. It's going to make you guys want to give back. And it's going to help you see what it's like to really have a food company that's going through all the stages of growth that a food company goes through. So Seema, welcome to the Food Founders Podcast.
1: Thank you, Ainsley. Thank you for inviting me.
0: Okay, Sima. for anyone that does not know Tiffin Day, can you share what exactly your company is, what you sell, and who you are for?
1: So, Tiffin Day is a manufacturer of plant-based curried stews. We make them locally right here in Toronto. And right now, it's a small artisanal business. And, you know, we're trying to grow it uh, like any other small business. But it's it's truly a kind of business that I I started this business about 10 years ago pivoted and pivoted and pivoted it to the point where now we're a manufacturer of stews that are pressure canned in jars. We have four flavors and we sell them through independent retailers and the home delivery services that we see delivered to your home like Mama Earth Organic or, or Fresh City Farms. It, you can get them online through them as well. So it's an Ontario-based company. We only sell the products within Ontario and it's Southern Ontario really and here we are 10 years later. <laughs>
0: What got you to start this company in the first place?
1: Well, it was back then, my son was a little boy, 17 years, uh, sorry uh, yeah, it was quite a few years ago I'd left my corporate job because I had a young child and like every other foolish person I thought, let's start a food business because as a woman at home, uh, you know, involved with food, I thought, ah, this is easy I make this food all the time, it's going to be easy to scale up a food business. Now mind you, I did a little bit of homework I was one of those moms, we're uh, a vegetarian family, we've always been vegetarian my son had a nut allergy. And so I was always those mums who looked at labels and always wanted, you know, the best for my son. And I would hang out at farmer's markets and stuff like that. So, you know, seeing all the vendors there, I thought, piece of cake, let's, let's try and do it. Uh, you know, and one of the things back then was some of these facts were coming out about food and the environment and how a plant-based, you know, a plant-based diet helps the environment. Not much was known about that way back then. And then we started seeing some of these movies coming out and some of these, you know, documentaries coming out about it. And so I thought, well, plant-based proteins, easy for us. We're vegetarian. We've done this all our lives. So uh, let me just explore that. And that's how the business idea started.
0: Okay. So you mentioned before, you're like, okay, we went through a lot of pivots. Oh. <laughs> talk to me about, talk to me about your pivots. Like oh if we gosh. were to do where you were at the beginning, were you farmer's market to where you are now? And like, take us through. Cause I, th- I think it's really important for people to see like, it's oh, not the a linear angst line. You're you gonna put
1: me, the angst you're going to put me through and you're going to embarrass <laughs> me because I have to spill my dirty laundry out here in public. Oh, Yes, this was totally, like I said, foolish the way I started. I thought, you know, let's get started with making these plant-based meals and delivering them in a Tiffin service. You know what a Tiffin is? One of those stainless steel stacked containers. And in India, you deliver lunches like that. So foolishly, I thought, let's try that and let's get this going. Now, this was in the days before Uber and, you know, all these apps came out way before. And so I started this little uh, business. However, because my son was school-aged, I was not available to work all day. I had to be home at... 2 o'clock, uh, at, at about 3 o'clock when, when he came home. So my working hours were limited from 9 a.m. in the morning till 2, 2.30. And so all I could do was a lunch delivery. I couldn't do dinner delivery. So I started focusing on the downtown core, the towers there, and started marketing the business a little bit uh, to see if people would order lunches, you know, that, that I could deliver and it was fully plant-based. There was a local restaurant in my area um, that we used to go to as a vegetarian restaurant and I spoke to the owner of the restaurant and said, you know, can I come in and run a lunch service over here. And he spoke to me and, you know, like restaurants always like extra business and rent. So I hired a couple of women. It was a social enterprise that I wanted to scale up. So hired a couple of women and we got started with the lunch business. Now the restaurant owner said to me, you can do this, but you have to hire my, my chef. So I said, "Fine, because we don't know anything about this. So cool, let's get started." And so we did. Surprisingly, the business did very well. We were we were up to about a hundred meals a day, which was doing really, really well. I was delivering them myself. Um, the women would help me cook, and the chef chef would help us with recipes. And you know, I had a little online, very limited menu, and we got going. And uh, the business did take off. It was great. But what was killing us was the delivery. If you can imagine, um, at lunchtime, you have one hour to deliver everything. So, but everyone wants lunch between 11.30 30 and let's say one, right? So you have to get the meals there in one hour. And if I received so many orders, how are we going to deliver it? We didn't have, like I said, it wasn't an app and it wasn't like the Uber, you know, system happening. It was just me and one other, you know, person doing the deliveries. And we simply couldn't cope with that. And by the end of the second, deer I think it was I'm like oh this is this is not it right where it's like a pressure cooker for that one hour and the parking tickets that I got and the, you know, it was just awful it was just awful and so oh I could tell you stories about the underground parking at the first Canadian place I don't think many people know this but there is a turntable for trucks down there you go it seriously. I have to, if we can just digress, you have to drive your big truck or my little car, whatever, into an elevator. The elevator goes down. You're, you actually drive onto a turntable. The big concrete turntable turns and then directs you to your parking lot, to your parking spot. It is amazing. Oh yeah. I just, <laughs> just. Uh, I discovered a whole bunch of stuff on how to get meals efficiently to people in the downtown towers, but yeah, the biggest dread was delivering to the stock exchange tower and all of that because we had to line up and get to you know all all of the security and and the turntable and all of that. So there were always delays and it wasn't practical. So so from there, I started speaking to uh, again the guy at the restaurant, uh, the owner of the restaurant. I should say his name is Hubert DeMello. He's now my business partner. But we started speaking, and he knew I was like busting myself to you know just try and get this going and we started talking about, well, how can I make this easier? And and so, you know, we looked at the recipes that were selling really well, and I started selling them at farmers markets and just looking at which products were selling well and which weren't. And out of all our products, we picked three and decided, can we stabilize these and make these into a food product? So uh, into a a retail product, because that would make it a lot easier delivering to retail stores as opposed to the model that we were using right now. So Anyway, it took us about a year and a half figuring it out, but we did. You know, we went through the whole pressure canning and, you know, all kinds of the, the food stability, the, the shelf life testing, the recipe testing, all of that. It took us about a year and a half. And again, I was selling these at the farmer's market, and that's how we began with the line that we have right now. But uh, when I think about the earlier days, holy moly, I didn't know what I was doing. And it, it, was, it was absolutely crazy, absolutely crazy what I did, jumping into, you know, a, a, an industry that I knew nothing about.
0: So you're definitely not the only one who has done that. And uh, you certainly won't be the last, but hopefully by you sharing, you know, your story, other people are able to be like, hold on, maybe I should explore a little bit more. Um, yeah. Because, you know, when you're passionate about getting the product out there, you want to find ways to make it possible. And, you know, well, you that have was always been committed to the food.
1: Thing. Well, so that's the whole thing. So right around the time when we were pivoting, uh, these apps were coming out, Uber was coming out. And so I had a huge choice at that point is grow an app, you know, a a platform, a uh, food delivery pl- platform, or focus on the food. I decided, but some tell me I was foolish, I decided to focus on the food side. Because uh, what I, where I really wanted to go was um, local sourcing, just good, well-made, simple food that is just like, you know, like homemade. Uh, and I didn't want it overly processed. Uh, so stuff like that was, was just a heavy focus for me. And so I chose not to move into the direction of growing an app, you know, an online app for food delivery. Would have been maybe I would have been a millionaire if I did that, but it would have been no fun. I would have been growing an IT logistics company.
0: Yeah, very, very different. Well, you've definitely nailed it in terms of creating a product that tastes like homemade. I think your product absolutely tastes like homemade. You know, when Thank I'm you. eating it, it's like, okay, I could spend my whole like few hours preparing this or I can buy this. This is so much easier. And it tastes, it tastes fantastic. So you, I think you selfishly, I think you made the right choice. So I get to enjoy it <laughs> and everyone you. else gets to enjoy
1: it. Well, actually, it's interesting that you say that you could uh, make it yourself and it would take a long time, Uh, it's true. So, plant-based proteins pulses are not the easiest to cook with you always have to either soak them or you know uh, either by canned or, or stuff like that and and so I thought we would have some success going with the recipes that we did because the ingredients are not always easy to it's not something you can just throw together very quickly and curries are um, a balance of spices and so you know, not everyone knows how to make a good curry maybe you use a ready-made curry powder but it's not the same so we, we do it from scratch and and use, you know, raw ingredients to to do it from scratch. And that's how we make it at home. Uh, So the restaurant where we're making it now, we still make it at Udupi Palace at Hubert's restaurant. He's now my business partner. And, you know, we scale this product together, but it's still made just like you make it at home.
0: I love that. You can definitely taste that with the product. I want to talk a little bit about the social mission. You've had social mission built into your company from day one. Can you talk about that in terms of what that process has looked like? And- Why that's important for you as a business owner?
1: Yeah, so going back to when I was starting Tiffin Day, I'd come from the corporate world and it was a little disenfranchised, with just a little bit of burnout. Being, you know, a young mom and and going through just everything that was based on the financial bottom line, Uh, it just seemed like a very heartless way that didn't fit in with my values. Just a heartless way to make money. And so uh, I decided that anything that I was going to do to earn a living had to have heart behind it. And so uh, I. We started this as a social enterprise right from the start. We are a certified B corporation and we pay fair wages. Our sourcing and all that is first from local farmers, if we can get it second, you know, organic and local, if we can get it, it's not always possible for the product that we make, like you, this time of year, where am I going to get organic local tomatoes, right? So you have to go with what you have. But in the summer, we do source, you know, local first, organic second. And finally, the financial bottom line was something that, you know, more recently, we started, I think it was about two, maybe three years ago, we partnered with a local uh, organization called Building Roots in Moss Park. And a percentage of the sales of every jar that we sell goes to Building Roots. So it's a donation that we make to them. We actually deliver meals to them or whatever they want. So we worked out what last year's sales were, and a percentage of that goes to Building Roots. And they know exactly how much money we're going to give them this year. And whatever people are buying this year, That's the amount, you know, percentage for next year we'll go to building roots. And we donate meals to them, prepared meals, sometimes refrigerated meals. Sometimes it's a hot meal, whatever they want. But we donate meals to people in Moss Park that are needy. And during COVID, it's actually been very, very important. There have been a lot of people who've been quarantined and not able to go out for their meals or sick. You know, so we've been able to help a little bit there.
0: That's great. And, you know, building that into your business from day one. Mm -hmm. makes Mm -hmm. it a lot easier and you recognize that this is the type of company I I want to build and, you know, you've done it, which is fantastic.
1: Yeah, no, it had to be a social enterprise. That was part of the fun. And moving from here on, Ainsley, some of the decisions become more difficult. When you've grown to, you know, a certain level and then you want to get bigger, you have to really wonder, how am I going to take that, the beauty of the company and scale it up? Sometimes the decisions are not easy. For example, the jars, we we um, pressure can our products in jars. So it's a glass jar that can be recycled. We cannot take it back because these are not too, uh, we cannot reuse the jars. They're the pressure can, sorry, the mason jars that you can pressure can multiple times don't fit into our pressure canning equipment. They're too big. They're for home use. So we use a different jar, but it's a one-time use. It doesn't withstand uh, double pressure canning, but people can still recycle them, right? However it is cheaper for us to buy the plastic pouches. And you've seen soups and stuff, you know, coming out in plastic pouches, it's a million times cheaper for us to buy those, but plastic is not anywhere in our production line. So the life cycle of plastic, that plastic is going to live on the earth forever, whereas a glass jar, you know, it doesn't have the same life. You, you can do many things with it. So we opted not to go to the plastic, even though our cost would be a lot cheaper going that way. So there, there's some decisions that get, you know, difficult. you got to balance them. And I don't know how we're going to continue to maintain the social mission as we get bigger. Do do I want to remain a small business? Well, I actually love it. So, you know, sometimes expanding and getting too big, maybe that's not where I want to go. Maybe I just love doing, you know, what we're doing, just a small enterprise, making food by hand, by people, you know, who are doing it rather than a big production line and automating everything, you know, losing um, labor because you're automating things. Like, I don't know. I enjoy working with the people that, that are part of Tiffany. Day.
0: I think you raise a really interesting point where it's so important to know your value and what the business means yeah. to you. Use so that you do have to make these tough decisions, and you know it, it can be more cost-effective. But if you know that you want to have a better, you know, environmental imprint and footprint, then it helps you make those decisions a little bit easier to say yes. It could save our costs, however, it isn't aligned to
1: our business. Well, this is it, and we we're approaching now. We're at a stage where we can approach some of the larger chains, and these are exactly the decisions that I am facing right now, and I don't know which way to go. We, uh, one of the chains decided that because our product is made in a restaurant, that it wouldn't meet their health and safety requirements. So they referred us to co-packers. And going to a co-packer meant I had to change a whole bunch of recipes to align with the ingredients that they had. The taste tests came back not the same product so it's like well you know they won't accept our product because it's small artisanal and you know won't meet their health and safety requirements yet going to a co-packer reduces the quality of the product so where are we going with this so we're sitting with this juggling you know some of these decisions right now
0: decisions decisions yeah and that I always say like as a business owner Your number one one job is really just a problem solver. Like you're a problem
1: solver day and day. out, Right. That's exactly it. Yeah. 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 There's no right and wrong answer. It's like you got to pick a path. That's that's what it is. And then try it, and then pivot again. (laughs) Like whatever. Me. Whatever. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. Can you talk a little bit about being a certified B corporation? What did that process look like for you? And is it something that you would recommend to other companies to do if they want to make the same type of impact that you're looking to make?
1: Right. So B-Labs is an organization, it's a US organization, and they do have branches, uh, I believe in Canada and in, in a few countries out there. But we are, I certified many years ago, like right at the beginning, uh, we certified Tiffin Day. So what they do is, unlike non-GMO or organic or things like that, they don't focus on the product, they focus on the business and the business values. So they look at what is your environmental impact, what is your social impact, and then how are... Are you balancing it with with your finances? So is it a triple bottom line, which is you know people, money, and and the environment? And so it actually allowed us as a small business to get some kind of certification going. That that's what it, my values were always there, but there was no way to validate whether you know what I was doing and how to measure it. So B Labs offers us a, a way to measure your your impact. So I recommend it to a business like ours where getting your certified organic uh, may not be possible because we're 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 focusing on local and, you know, we buy local all year round, but, oh, sorry, we buy from the, not all year round, we go to the food terminal and get what we can, but in the summer we focus on local and organic when we can, but we can get certified organic because we're not sourcing from certified organic larger wholesalers. So pivoting to a a co packer may allow us to get there because they source from you know larger suppliers. But is that one way that I want to go? Coming back to B Corp and and the B Corp certification that allowed us to just certify our business as it is. There is a fee for that, an annual fee, and they aud- they you certify it every. I think it's three years. Right, right now, you go through a certification and an audit process every three years, and you have to report in uh, every three years. So thus far, we've been successful doing it. And I I look forward to, you know, continuing this partnership with B-Labs because that's the, I I find it's authentic for where I want to be with with the business.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, it's very much aligned with, you know, what you've said about the business and really caring about people, profit and planet and all are very important to your business. Absolutely. Has there been anything that you've done in the business that has really helped your business grow in a way that you didn't, I don't know, you didn't expect it to something that you've done that's kind of unlocked a, a piece of the puzzle to growing your yeah, company?
1: Absolutely. Oh my gosh. When I first started, I'd never run a business on my own. I'd always worked. What I realized about growing a business is you're not growing a business, really. You are growing your team. So because when I first started, I was doing everything right. I was doing the cooking. I mean, I Certainly had people helping, but we were doing everything. I was doing the delivery. I was the financial, you know, person. I was sweeping the floors. I was doing everything. I was the marketing person. I was everything. But you come to a point where you got to let go and pick your um, specialty. Hang on to it, but give away everything else that you are not good at doing, other people will do it better than you. And the best advice I got was actually from my business partner who put his hand on my shoulder and said, you got to stop coming in the kitchen. Now we got it. And he was right. It was right. The minute I stopped, it's like half my workload went and the product is still great. So, uh, you know, like stuff like that, um, you really had to let go. So, in time, we hired a sales rep. You know, I was awful at sales. And yet, I thought, uh, you know, what's a sales rep going to do? Yet, when I gave up the sales, I realized how much better they were than me. So, gave that up. Uh, the cooking certainly gave up the first time. We're in the process of uh, finding a, a shipper now because um, I'm still doing that once a week. So, we're Going to give up the, sh- the shipping very slowly. Uh, but I mean, you, you got it, you're growing your team. And we've got a fantastic, it's a small company, it's a fantastic team. And I rely on them 110%. And I keep telling them, if it wasn't for them and the great way that they're, you know, bringing the product together and bringing it to market, if it wasn't for them, I wouldn't be able to do it. We this year hired, um, because I was awful at social media too. I didn't have time. You're doing so much. And I didn't have time to run my own social media. We hired a social media company this year much better and we've certainly seen our sales growth so things like that, just give up and build your team. It's it's not about growing the business. It's about building the right team to help you grow it.
0: That's such a key piece, but not easy. Like, was it was it tough for you to let go?
1: Were you like, no, and was there a bit of yeah. back and forth at the beginning? Oh, you try and hold it like your own baby. And now that I've raised my son from, you know, he, he was little and he's 20 years old now. It's like, you got to let go. You got to let go. The, the business was my baby too. My son was my baby too. You got to let go. And there's that nervousness there. But you then start focusing on what you're good at. And, uh, you know, that that's what I give to the business now. It's what I'm good at. And I am good at working on the business, not in the business. And, you know, that that's how I rely on the expertise of my sales reps, of my chef, you know, of, of all of them well before, you know, I make any decisions. I, I reach out to them. And then we decide.
0: That is really great advice for people at all different levels. And it's mm-hmm. definitely, definitely a tough one. As we wrap up, is there any other pieces of advice that you'd want to share for someone in the early stages of a business, or is maybe just in yeah. the, like, I call it like the messy middle, you know, like what advice do you have for people who yeah, are on uh, their journey?
1: Another important part that I was re- very, very foolish about Ainsley is um, making sure you're properly financed up front. This is hard. This is hard. And um I don't know if it's because I'm a woman or what I was, I'm risk adverse. So you don't want to go out and, you know, take out the loans and take out the stuff up front. And I realized I'd taken out a line of credit of my home. And I was nervously drawing against that line of credit just a little bit at a time thinking, Oh, I'll pay it back next month, I'll pay it back next month. No, finance yourself and make sure that you are ready for at least five years of being in the red. Just just have the guts to do it and say, yes, I'm growing this business. It's for the long term. Pivot it as you can, but finance yourself so you're able to pay yourself and pay your staff for five years. You may break even, you know, before then and hats off to you if you do, but don't bat an eyelid and don't be don't be weak about going into debt. And count on it for the first five years. You're not going to break even as you you grow your business. And yeah, now that we're into it, you know, for a long time we we're now paying down our debts, um, and you know we're getting there. But I find. Perhaps men don't have the same angst as we do. I, I don't know. You know, it's uh, I've dealt with male food, you know, restaurant owners. My business partner is a man. Again, you just borrow and get the business going, and then mm-hmm. you pay off. Right? Don't worry about the debt, but make sure you're properly financed up front because then you can do it right. That's
0: really, really great advice. It's very hard in the food and beverage industry to quote unquote bootstrap it all. It costs. Yeah. It costs money to be in this industry, it, and you can move a it lot faster. Costs,
1: it's so this is one of the toughest industries because you've got a product. Actually, I did, uh, so you've got a product that has a shelf life, right? So you've got a timeline. There's, there's an expiry date that you've got to get these products sold through. You've got a product that is regulated. You can't just go make it in your home kitchen and you know, you're know you done. You can't do that. So you've got all of these things working against you. And uh, the only industry that I found that was worse than the food was the flour industry. They've got a week to get rid of that stuff, right? Uh, and I, I know a flower farmer and, and you know when we were talking and commiserating I'm like oh I'm in such a tough business and he's like what I've got a week to sell you've got a one year I've got a week to sell my products <laughs> so yeah that's the only industry that I found that was worse than ours you know that, uh, <laughs> that uh, is true food is just tough right if you're in the produce market you've got more problems than, than a product like mine that has a one year shelf life but uh, yeah shelf life and all that really and the regulations it makes mm-hmm. it an expensive business to get into and uh, I didn't appreciate that when I first started,
0: was there anything that you did to help you get comfortable with that? Like, what was the switch? You know, at the beginning, you mentioned, okay, we were taking a loan and we'd look to like pay it back like the next month, and then you're now okay with you know being like we're going to pay this off when we pay this off in the future. This is long term growth. What what flipped the switch there that made you feel okay and comfortable with taking well, that me, debt and investing in
1: your business? For me, truly, it was my business partner. He is a very calm man and a very level headed man and speaks calmly, unlike me. I can get worked up very easily. He's just got the right personality to say, it's okay. We we've got this debt, it's we'll pay it off. And and we have been. And it, it was it was easy for me because of him. But having a good set of friends and maybe having a good circle of entrepreneurs that you can commiserate with, meet with, you know, speak about your challenges, you'll realize that you're not alone and maybe it helps bring perspective you know it it, it truly does make you feel less alone if, if you're doing that and that can help you get over the bump like we're always putting out fires uh so you know in terms of the financing and the debt don't carry that angst more than you have to you know focus on the business and that's a long-term you know problem that you're going to resolve as you grow your business but make sure you're financed properly
0: i love that Great. Great pieces of advice, Seema. Thank Thank you you so much for sharing your story today and for creating this fantastic product and really you know, making an impact for food, for the planet and really creating a great example of an organization that can make an impact both in people's homes and on retailers shelves and for the planet as a whole. And for just being such a great example of a food founder who is chasing the dream and doing what needs to happen to to make it possible. So thank you so much for your time today.
1: Oh, Thank you, Ainsley. You've been very gracious. Thank you.
0: That's it for this week, food friend. Thanks for tuning in. If the show helped you in any way, please go ahead and leave a rating or review of the show below. I also want to thank our sponsor one more time, the Food Brands That Sell program, the program to transform how you navigate the CPG industry and ultimately sets you up for success within it. Go ahead and get yourself on the waitlist using the link below, or you can put yourself on the wait list at foodbrands.sell waitlist at waitlist. Dot com. Catch you next time, food friend.